Good Wednesday afternoon to you. I hope you're having a great day. Thanks for joining us on Sports for CLE. Training camp out in Berea is underway. No fans today or tomorrow. They'll be allowed in there uh, Friday. Uh, we will have plenty on Brown's training camp a little later in the show. Kevin Arnold will join us to talk about Brown's training camp. We begin uh, by talking Brown's, and uh, let's listen in to Kevin Stefanski, kind of setting the scene for training camp, talking uh, about Super Bowl and how there has been plenty of Super Bowl talk with the Browns. We talk about a lot of things. Uh, you know, Scott, I promise you all 32 clubs talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, it's really easy to talk about it. It's hard to do. Uh, so we're just going to focus on the work. Did you bring up the Kansas, did you bring up the Kansas City loss? We've talked about a lot of things o over time, but uh, I I'd say we're moving on to 2021. And we are moving on to 2021. Let's welcome in Mac Robinson from 92.3 The Fan. Mac, uh, the message was pretty clear. Yeah, Super Bowl's okay. We got to work, and it's 2021. You know, Dave, and this is what I appreciate about Kevin Stefanski is it's almost Bill Belichickian where, you know, we're on to the next week. Now we're on to the new season. And while the Browns did have a lot of success last year, he's looking to build upon that and basically looking at this as a completely clean slate, good and bad. So, you know, you can go ahead and put a lot of those things behind you. At least you had the some of those first-year struggles early on, you know, without that training camp, without that offseason. Now you have that underneath your belt with this team. And, Honestly, I, I really am excited and encouraged by the fact that, you know, Kevin Stefanski and this team, they're taking that next year, next week approach and just completely turning the page and not even necessarily focusing on the Super Bowl aspirations because, like he said, every team has those Super Bowl aspirations. So, you know, I, I look at what Stefanski has done and the way that this culture and this team as a whole has really bought in, and I, I absolutely love it from Kevin Stefanski. So uh, we made a lot of the Odell Beckham Jr. being able to practice and Grant Delpit and guys coming back for injuries. There are three guys that were unable to go in that first practice. We knew Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa, COVID restricted list. He's unable to go. Tony Fields hurt the other foot. Not the foot that kept him out of some of rookie minicamp, but the other foot. So uh, Tony Fields linebacker, unable to go. Dearness Johnson excused for personal reasons. Those three not on the field day one of training camp. Uh, but you look at it, and two of the young linebackers, and again, it's way too early to get concerned, but you, you kind of you know, raise your eyebrow and look and say, uh, those young guys need to be on the field practicing. Yeah, and especially, I mean, JOK, he's going to be out for that first week and a half, it seems like. So, you know, that's valuable time that he's going to be missing and, you know, at least getting used to, at least coexisting with some of these guys on the defensive side. Now, Tony Fields is one where, I'm a little apprehensive and I'm a little worried for him because of the fact that, you know, he's fighting for that roster spot. Now he obviously, he's a good special teamer, uh, you know, obviously playing at West Virginia. He's somebody who thrives on, you know, playing every single down, including those special teams roles. And so, especially in a competitive linebacker room where that back half of that linebacker room is really going to be interesting to see how it plays out. You have Mac Wilson, who's going to be competing for one of those spots. You know, you have Sione Takitaki, a third-round pick just a couple years ago. He's fighting for one of those spots as well. And, you know, now you add in Tony Fields, who's somebody who can play a lot all over the field. And for him, missing out on this time early on, and especially, like you said, not the, not the foot that he originally injured, the other foot that he that – he, uh, that he didn't have previously injured, you know, now at this point, that's valuable time that he's losing. And at that point, that's a step up for Mac Wilson. That's a step up for Taki Taki and those guys as well to, you know, possibly get ahead in that linebacking competition. Yeah, without question. So uh, before practice, a couple of rounds met with the media. Jarvis Landry talked about his kind of mindset and his approach to training camp this year. Yeah, I think everybody's excited. Everybody's happy to be back. So, um, you know, uh, it's 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 a good good to be back on the grass with the guys. How about Odell Patson his physical so he could be out here? He talked about how excited he is to see you and the rest of the guys. Yeah, and and you know we're grateful to have him out here and and to see him running around and moving around and stuff like that. We we look forward to having him back. What what is the message been you guys from Coach Stefanski about kind of? The hype, all of that stuff around this team? Uh, the message has been pretty simple. It's the same one that has been since the first day he got here. It work. You know, it's in the work. What we do is in the work. And um, that's the same thing he's been, you know, telling us in every team meeting, all around the building. You know, every sign that we see, you know, that's one of the words that's on there. 
And again, Mac, um, Kevin Stefanski is consistent by design and with that, and, and I think that's one of the things that the players like about him. He's the same guy every day, and, and work usually is coming out of his mouth every day. <laughs> yeah, it's basically just like on rinse, repeat, basically, when it comes to him. And, you know, honestly, it comes off, you know, and it comes off with the players buying in. You know, a lot of this time last year, we weren't necessarily sure what we were going to get from Stefanski and with uh, the rest of the roster at that point, too. But now you kind of see that that's settled in. And like what Jarvis was saying, it's about the work. And, you know, especially getting Odell back this year, that's huge for them. And on top of that, too, you know, being able to see what they can do and go from there and just building upon, you know, that work that they put in last year and now being able to expand that even more and getting back in Odell Beckham. You know, by the end of last year, you didn't have Odell, obviously, for that back half of the year when all of a sudden everybody was seeming to get used to the offense. Now at this point, you have Odell, you have him coming into the offense, he's getting adjusted with everybody. And so once that happens, all of a sudden then you can expand upon this offense. You don't necessarily need to get into some of the basic concepts. Now you can expand, get into some of the more advanced uh, topics, advanced um, you know ideas when it comes to this offense. And so I'm interested to see what Kevin Stefanski and company do with this offense and with this group as a whole to see what they can go ahead and do, what they pull out of their head at this point. Because I feel like while last year was phenomenal, I think that they can also advance and take that next step here in 2021. Yeah, and so the Browns have Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, two veteran wide receivers who know all the tricks. And a guy who's most excited about that is Greg Newsom, the first-round pick who is fighting to win that starting spot opposite Denzel Ward. He's excited to see what he can learn from going against two veteran wide receivers every day in training camp. I mean, those are arguably two of the you know best receivers in the, the whole entire NFL. So playing against them and practicing against them each week would definitely prepare me for whoever you know I have to guard you know going into the upcoming game week. So um, it'll definitely be great practicing against those guys. You're getting yourself ready to play. Obviously, put yourself in a competition for a starting job during this. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, nothing is nothing is given. Everything is earned. I mean, at this point, um, you know, I'm trying to learn from some of those older guys like Greedy and Denzel and Troy and just learn the coverages, like I said, and just go out there and try to compete as best as I can. And, you know, whatever coach needs me to do, that's what I'm going to have to do. No, I think, you know, competition is competition. You know, um, coming to a team like this that's, you know, in win-now mode and, you know, has a great room that I'm going to be a part of is just going to, you know, boost everyone's ability. Um, so competition is going to be great in that room. And, Mac, I like the fact that uh, he, he knows he has to earn it. He's talking about competition, and he sees the Browns in win-now mode. So those are some things to kind of think about from your first-round pick who you took, you know, with your first pick in the draft. Yeah, and, and I love the competitive fire where, you know, a lot of times, like certain players, they might necessarily back down a little bit when they're dealing with some of these other players who might come in and think that, you know, this is my job. This is, I'm the first round pick. I should be playing from day one. Whereas the approach that you're seeing out of Newsom is look at the, the, as the adage goes, you know, iron sharpens iron. So, you know, seeing that competition, him going against greedy, another talented player, second round pick just two years ago, you know, I, I look at Newsom and I think that this is just a phenomenal situation for him as a whole, because not only does he get a chance to learn under guys like, uh, Denzel Ward, Troy Hill, and even the safeties as well, you know, John Johnson and those guys as well. You know, on top of that, too, he also gets to cover these guys like a Jarvis Landry, like an Odell Beckham, where he can go ahead, cover them in the slot, cover them outside. You know, he can go ahead and do that and learn each and every day. And that's going to go a long way when dealing with other guys when he's going up against a Tyreek Hill or going up against some of these other guys, you know, across the league when it comes to these wide receivers that he's going to have to cover. I mean, hell, he's going to have to cover Devontae Adams by the end of the year. So, you know, I mean, with the way that he's going to be able to cover these guys, you know, in training camp day in, day out, that's just going to do nothing but help him in the long run. Yeah, and the other thing is his approach, I'm sure the veterans love to hear a young guy who was drafted that highly who says, yeah, I, I got to come in and earn it. So uh, very mature, and, and keep in mind, young guy, young um, first-round player in Greg Newsom. All right. Miles Garrett, and um, this is an interesting perspective on this. He was asked the difference between this year, 2021, when expectations are so high, 
and when they were so high in 2019 under Freddie Kitchens. There's no difference. You know, on paper, we look great, but that's just it. It's on paper. And we got to go out here, got to put the work in, we got to grind. We got to make sure that chemistry is there for when we, you know, we match up with the Chiefs first week. So, you know, it all looks good, but we got we to gotta make, it, make it great out here day by day. It's a message from Coach Stefanski different than it was from Freddie Kitchens two years ago. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. What, so, like, what did he say? What did the say? About expectations? I mean, we got expectations just like everybody else. Everybody goes into the season wanting to win every game they play. Everybody goes into the season wanting to, to win a chip. That's everybody's expectation of themselves. What you do day by day from training camp to the last day of the regular season is what defines you. So... Now we're just going to work every day as if as if it's our last, and you no, know, other just follow the may. Just a little difference between Coach Stefanski <laughs> and Coach Ki Coach Kitchen, just a little bit. And but again, again, you can you don't have to have the players tell you what the messaging is because you can hear it in their answers to the questions. Yeah, and that's just the night and day difference between Coach Kitchens and Coach Stefanski. You know, Stefanski, he, he's really taken that, you know, like what Jarvis said, it's that work approach. He says it day in and day out. And, you know, Dave, I know you and I get tired of the repetitive answer of just hearing the work, the work, the work, the work, the work. But honestly, you know, it, it's really welcome, honestly. Uh, you know, with the way that he's handled it and the way that, you know, Miles talked about it, you know, it's a stark difference because I, I still remember back when, you know, they initially traded for Odell and, you know, Miles Garrett's talking about, you know, coming out, possibly winning the division, you know, night one before they even hit the practice field. So, you know, comparatively, like you said, just being about the work and coming in and doing the little things and it's all on paper. You know, I, I listened to that from Miles and it's a night and day difference for me, you know, with the way that this team has handled themselves. It's not necessarily that the expectations have changed, but it's the way that they've handled themselves that has really changed in these past two years and why I'm thoroughly excited for what they do this year and thoroughly more impressed with the way that they've been able to handle the pressure going into this season. Mac Robinson from 92.3 The Fan. And I get a step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, we'll hear a national pundit who thinks the Browns have the best pass rushing duo. That's straight ahead on Sports for CLE. Stay with us. back to sports for CLE I'm Dave Bacon Browns uh, out on the field in Berea kind of wrapping up the first gate of training camp uh, fans will be allowed there on Friday so you have two days today and tomorrow with no fans um, closed practices still out on the field practicing um, not in any pads or anything that's not allowed until next week um, but uh, the fans will be allowed in there on Friday and um, some word coming out of Berea that is a little bit concerning uh, Greedy Williams um, left the field uh, with a trainer and uh, this is from Nate Ulrich uh, uh, really good Browns beat reporter for the Akron Beacon Journal walked off the practice field into the building with an athletic trainer um, that is all we know we don't know the uh, status of that but um, Mac when you hear you know Greedy with that shoulder injury that was um, that, that kept him out all last year and you hear that he leaves the field it's it's obviously reason for concern and that's something that we'll monitor um, as we get going in um, in training camp yeah and, and especially for somebody who dealt with injuries going into his rookie season as well 
you know, he has a past when it comes to his history or to his injury history as well. You know, I, I look at Greedy Williams and obviously he's fighting for a starting job this year. You know, he, we just heard from, uh, you know, Greg Newsom, first round pick from this past year, too. You know, those two are going to be in a heated battle. On top of that, you still have Troy Hill, who's in the slot, who can play outside as well. You know, I think it's it's really a shame, especially uh, because Greedy Williams, I was excited to see what he was able to bring because, yep. you know, again, he has that he has those ball skills that that you loved out of LSU. Uh, you saw a little bit in his rookie year, and I wanted to see how he was able to kind of take that next step this year. But, you know, again, with first day, you know, ending up having to walk off, you know, with the injury there with the trainers, um, not necessarily sure, like you said, what what that yep. is and what the extent is. Um, but at the same time, it's it's a shame nonetheless, because if he does have to miss any time or even is just, you know, on the bike on the side, you know, that that's a shame for him because that's a lost time that all of a sudden now Greg Newsom, as he gets comfortable and as he gets used to the next level, you know, that's more ground that he's gaining on Grady for that starting job on the outside. Yeah, and, and again, we don't know the nature of it. We don't know what it was, just that he left the field with the trainer and and for Greedy's sake, he was so excited that he was healthy. You certainly hope uh, that he can come back and is good to go. We, we, we again, will keep that in mind. All right, Nate Burleson, really talented uh, national analyst from Good Morning Football on NFL Network, had this to say about the Browns' pass-rushing duo of Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. We don't truly appreciate what Miles Garrett did last year, along with Olivier Vernon, who tore his Achilles towards the end of the season. But they add in Jadavian Clowney. Now you got two guys who went number one overall with high promise. Miles Garrett, I think he's fulfilled expectations a little bit more than Jadavian. Mm. Jadavian, at, sure. at times, um, you know, would have good seasons, but the numbers didn't back it up. I'm not saying that he doesn't make an impact on every play, but Miles Garrett is absolute destructicon, and he'll stat, uh, he'll pad the stat sheet. So for me, having these guys together, and maybe. Jadavian Clowney being motivated by young Miles Garrett, this can up his game. Guys that can easily get in double-digit sacks. I see these guys 22, maybe 25 sacks this year if they're both healthy wow. because they have a dominant defense and linebackers and DBs that can also help with the quarterback holding the ball, which every D lineman loves that. And, Mac, that's a, a former wide receiver, Nate Burleson, saying 22, 23 sacks. If they have that many sacks, it will be a fun, fun fall at First Energy Stadium for Browns fans. Definitely. And I'll say this, between those two, you know, Miles, he was really on track, you know, early on in the season. He was causing a lot of those forced fumbles. He was getting to the quarterback. And then once he got COVID, you know, after that, it didn't really seem like he was quite the same. You know, he was still Miles Garrett. He's still extremely disruptive. But, you know, he was on such a tear early on in that season. I'm looking forward to see what he's able to bring. And because, like he mentioned, too, you know, Jadavian Clowney, if he's able to be motivated, if he stays on the field, you know, we saw what Olivier Vernon was able to do, you know, with Miles Garrett on the field and off the field. I think if Jadavian Clowney is able to stick on the field this year, these two, they can get up there around that 25 sack number. I really think that's feasible because I can see Miles getting upward of 15 or 16 sacks. To the point where, honestly, I think he's pushing for he's pushing towards that twenty sack mark. I think with the way that he was able to succeed this past year, especially adding in the extra game, so I think that Miles Garrett can push towards that. And I think because of that, you're going to have you know Jadavian Clowney in those mismatches. You know, maybe against one of the weaker tackles on the other side. You know, I think all of a sudden now, yeah, he could be right. That could be the best pass rush duo in the NFL. Yeah, I, I would agree. And they're very similar in terms of athleticism, which is kind of unique. All right, so Miles Garrett was asked about how long it would take the Browns' defense to gel. So many new guys and fitting everybody in. And the question is, um, are, the, are the Browns going to be ready and is it going to be easy for them to gel? Here's Miles Garrett. I don't like to, to think about that, knowing that, you know. We got the Chiefs the first week, so we don't have time to, to, you know, kind of be on the back foot, you know, going against them first week. But I know out here is where we're going to be able to kind of grind those things out, you know, sh you know sharpen the, the spears, we say, and uh, make sure that you know, we're ready uh, come week one. I know you don't want to rush it, but is there a way to kind of accelerate it a little bit, or do you feel like what you guys got done in minicamp will is giving you a good foot forward as far as that goes? Uh, minicamp definitely was a good foot forward, you know, getting you know, all the playbook in, you know, during that short short period. But you know, we have four or five weeks you know, to ourselves right now 
to where we can we can you know get all our guys lined up and looking at everything. You know, going through a full speed, pads on, and uh, you know, asking as many questions as, as you need. And we got some uh, some older guys who so have some experience, knowing that we can we can stay out here with them and they can help lead, just like uh, you know some of the younger guys can do as well. And again, you know, he kind of brought in Kansas City and. There's a little bit of an advantage to um, the offenses not knowing what the Browns' scheme is going to look like as well. So there is an advantage to having a different feel as well. But I, I get Miles's point. Yeah, and, and that's the one that I've actually really been focused on, you know, especially because of the different pieces that are all coming in. You know, you've got a lot of different uh, faces coming in, you know, possibly nine new starters going into the season. So because of that, you know, it is going to take a little bit of time. But like what Miles said, you know, that's what I want to hear out of Miles Garrett. You know, especially, you know, you got you got the Chiefs week one. It's not like you can sleep on anybody, you know, starting out your season when you're going up against the reigning AFC champions. So, and especially in offense with Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and, and company. So, you know, I look at this test and it's going to be interesting to see where they're at. I look at that as a barometer because in those following weeks, you know, you've got the Bears. You know, you've got the Texans in week two, especially for that home opener. So you're going to have a little bit of time to kind of get your feet underneath you. But like what he said, you know, getting minicamp out of the way, getting, uh, you know, all these guys in, it'll be kind of a feeling out process of figuring out, okay, how does Jadavian like to rush? You know, how does, you know, Jordan Elliott like to come come in the middle, you know, at least when it comes to his pass rushing ability? Um, and figuring out, you know, where people like to play, how they like to rush the passer, and figuring out, you know, where everybody's comfortable in that sense. So, you know, I look at this as, you know, it's going to have to be a rapid adjustment, but, you know, that's going to be the storyline that I'm following along most. How long does it take this defense to gel together? Because as, the sooner that they do, the better for this team's success in the long run. Mac Robinson from 92.3 The Fan and I are going to step aside, take a quick time out. Uh, when we return, five reasons to be excited about training camp and how Jarvis Landry sees this offense evolving in year two. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. Sports for CLE continues. We continue talking Browns with Mac Robinson from 92.3 The Fan. So, Mac, Brownswire.com has five reasons to be excited about training camp. First, uh, first one we're going to hit on, continuity, and, and I think this is a big one. Yeah, and that's, that's the biggest storyline because this is the first time that I can remember, obviously, having some good continuity, and at least the first time in Baker Mayfield's career, actually having the same coaching staff together and sticking together, you know, from year to year. So, I'm genuinely curious to see how this offense is able to evolve because, you know, like we mentioned, you know, this is one of those times where you, you got the basics out of the way last year. Now you can start to get into the advanced uh, concepts in this playbook. So I'm interested to see how they're able to build upon that success with that continuity with the coaching staff going into year two. So the next part of this is uh, Baker Mayfield's development. And again, that's it kind of plays into the continuity. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, keeping the same coaching staff and actually having the same playbook works out well in Baker's development. I know it's a shock for people in Cleveland, but yeah, like that's going to be the next big step uh, for these guys is going to be seeing how Baker's able to take that to the next level. Because, you know, like I said, you've got the same coaching staff, you know, comparatively, you know, and I know you've mentioned this here in the recent weeks too, but, 
you know, Lamar Jackson's had the same coaching staff, had the same offensive coordinator. You've had the same thing with Josh Allen and company in Buffalo. You know, Baker Mayfield, this is his first time getting a, being able to, you know, build upon his strengths going into year two of an offense and of a coaching staff. So I'm interested to see how they're able to, you know, accentuate Baker's strengths and really go from there uh, in year two with him underneath this coaching staff and in this system. So number three, we've kind of already addressed defensive additions. We talked about that uh, last segment. Um, the next is depth, projecting, and protecting the rookies. And I think that's kind of key. Um, a rookie's going to have to earn their, their playing time on this roster. Yeah, and it's funny to kind of go back to the old days of these guys are going to have to play from day one and they're going to have to make an immediate impact. All of a sudden now you have guys like Anthony Schwartz who can actually take their time. And I know it's a novel concept as well, but like, again, these guys have talent, but it's about developing the nuance of the position. You know, you saw that last year with Donovan Peoples-Jones where, you know, he didn't necessarily make as much of an impact early on in the season. But then once you saw in the Bengals game and then as the season went on against the Titans as well, you know, he's able to, you know, pick his spots and really be able to make an impact in little spurts, but he doesn't have to be a major impact guy from day one. And even a guy like Greg Newsom, like we talked about, you know, he's somebody who most years he would have to be relied upon as that starter. And even that's what we saw from Greedy Williams in 2019, where, you know, he pretty much had to be that outside corner until uh, Terrence Mitchell ended up having to take over for him due to injury as well. But, you know, those expectations for a Greg Newsom, who fell to the Browns at 26, you know, those expectations aren't there. He can just sit back and learn. He can be a sponge with these guys. And I think that's going to be a great benefit to a lot of these rookies going into year one, taking on a lot of those, you know, learn uh, learning experiences and the nuances of their own position. And they can really develop, take their time. They don't have to be that impact guy from day one. And the uh, final one, weapons, weapons, weapons. And, and you could say that on both sides of the ball. <laughs> Uh, the Browns have a, a number of guys who figure to be playmakers. Yeah, and, and again, it's such a great feeling from where we were in 2017 to where we are here in 2021. You know, gone are the days of the Dwayne Bowes and company, but now, you know, you mentioned, o we've talked about Odell, we've talked about Jarvis, I mentioned Donovan Peoples-Jones and Schwartz. You know, you've got Hollywood Higgins as well, and even Austin Hooper and so many different players on offense and even Demetric Felton is somebody who can play as a running back or a receiver there's plenty of options on offense and like you said on defense too different linebackers that can play you know Jeremiah Wusu-Kormoa he was somebody who was mentioned as a possible safety I don't think that's necessarily the best role for him there but he can at least have the athletic ability to possibly play back a little bit and really adds that added versatility for Joe Woods and company on defense so I'm really interested to see how they're able to play and how they play off each other. You know, there's a lot of versatility, and I know that's that's going to be the buzzword from Kevin Stefanski uh, coming this year. But, you know, that's something that I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how they're able to implement and expand both on offense and defense with these guys. So um, the, the thought of the offense evolving in year two, you know, second year, you would expect that. Here's what Jarvis Landry said about how – this year's offense can evolve from a year ago. Just keep understanding who we are um, and, our, and our identity and, you know, how, how we're trying to get better. Um, and obviously, again, it starts here in, in training camp. But, you know, we took an evaluation about how we did last year, you know, whether it was penalties, whether it was turnovers, you know. Um, you know, those are things that, you know, we can try to eliminate um, and take those numbers down a little bit. And it gives us better chances to win some of the games that we may not have. And again, you know, this offense will evolve. Kevin Stefanski did talk about that. It, you can't do the same thing year to year because the defenses will react to it. Yeah, and, and that's the one thing that I think you saw as the season went on. You know, a lot of people hammer home about, you know, running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. But what you actually saw as the season went on was that you saw the passing game, setting up the run game a lot towards the end of the year and that's where you saw Baker Mayfield able to help set up you know especially in that Titans game where he's able to complete a lot of those passes and really that's where you're going to see the offense go I feel is that you're going to see more of the passing game early on to help set up open up the offense for Nick Chubb to you know be able to hit those holes running at that point and then you're able to get Kareem Hunt in the passing game 
and it expands so much more of this offense and really is able to expand new opportunities for these guys and really be able to kind of delve into a lot of these different aspects of the offense that you really didn't get a chance to see as much just because they were going through the basic part of the playbook last year. Now they get to expand, they get to mix up, and I mean, hell, you might even get to see more Odell to Jarvis passes this year instead. (laughs) So ESPN.com has come up with the biggest training camp questions for each and every team for the Browns. Will Baker Mayfield make another leap last year beyond last year's bounce back year? I'm going to say yes, and I think that, again, it it ties into continuity, and it ties into, you know, keeping that same offensive coaching staff for from one year to the next for Baker Mayfield, and I think that he will. I think that you saw as he got more and more comfortable in this system by the end of the year last year, you obviously saw that, you know, the fruits were bearing uh, there towards the end of the year for the offense, and you saw it in the Steelers game especially. You saw it in the Kansas City game, I feel, you know, as the game kind of evolved and went on. And as he got more and more comfortable, um, but on top of that too, you know, I think that Baker Mayfield, as he gets more comfortable, you're going to see him have more responsibilities. And I think that he's going to really relish, you know, in the responsibility for the offense. And overall, I think that he will be able to take that next step with this team. And I do envision that, you know, this offense as a whole, I think that Baker Mayfield will be leading that charge. And it's not just going to be a run game anymore. I think you're going to see more of a balance between the two in this season yeah and and you know um so the question is is baker mayfield motivated uh, he answered that question uh on his instagram account uh, take a look at what he posted um hard to put or had to put the time in and let him know what time it is year four incoming for this small incapable walk-on so uh baker mayfield again um taking notice of those who have doubted him i'm certain and um, if that's what motivates him he knows what motivates him best yeah and that's the one thing we haven't seen it as much out of baker but i'm kind of glad that we're seeing it sprinkled in a little bit you know i don't want it to be completely taken away because again that's what makes six six at this point you know baker is somebody who thrives off of you know that talk and everything like that so you know i i look at what baker's able to do and the way that he's able to kind of bring along, you know, that that hate that a lot of different people have thrown his way, and maybe not necessarily hate, but even just a little bit of doubt, uh, you know, going into year four for him, I do think that he's going to take that next step. He's going to take a leap. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's able to take that next step. Because I do think that it's going to be a big step this year for him and for this offense. I just want to see where he's able to go because to be quite honest, I'm not necessarily sure if everybody's ready for him to go ahead and take that next step. Mac Robinson and I are going to step aside, take a quick time out on the other side of the break. We'll hear Kevin Stefanski and what he's thinking about Joe Woods defense sports for CLE. You'll be right back. Stay with us. CLE continues. Browns training camp underway out in Berea. Kevin Stefanski talked about uh, what this new look defense uh, with Joe Woods back as the defensive coordinator will look like in 2021. Yeah, I think uh, our coaches uh, understand that we're introducing some new guys in the scheme. Now we have a bunch of guys that are returning as well. So it's not like you're starting with an entire defensive new scheme like we were last year, like we were on offense and defense. So uh, I think the guys have a plan. I think it, 
really speaks to how you uh, how you plan your practices, how you do your installs, how you make sure you don't go too fast, too quickly. And I think Joe and the staff are on top of that. So I, I wanted to ask you about the awards. What, what stood out to you back in last year as he was going through that season? And, and where, where did the confidence come from that he can kind of turn this defense around? Yeah, Joe's a really good football coach, I believe, in, in that staff. I, I think they, they did a nice job last season in some tough spots. Uh, so they've worked really hard this offseason, uh, fine-tuning the scheme. As we mentioned, we're adding some new players in there. So I think Joe's as excited as anybody to get out here. Did you learn anything new about him working so closely with him every day? Uh, you know, having spent time with Joe uh, years ago, he's a grinder. Uh, he, he's he he stays in this office. Uh, he's in early, stays late. That, that that light's always on in there, and he's working at it. So, something I knew, but having an office right next to him, maybe I got a front row seat at it. And uh, Mac, when you think about Joe Woods and that defense, it was banged up. Um, it was undermanned a season ago, and um, you know. A lot more should be expected of him because the Browns have given him the pieces to be successful now. Yeah, and, and that's the one thing that I thought when everybody was really criticizing Joe Woods towards the end of the year, you know, I, I all I thought was that, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the tools to run the defense that he wants. You know, when he initially came into Cleveland, you know, as we've mentioned plenty of times, you know, he really wanted to run that dime defense especially. And, again, for those who don't know, that's, running six defensive backs, four defensive linemen, and then that one linebacker position who can go ahead and cover just about what you need. So, you know, I, I look at what he has now at this point, and, and I really do feel like not only does he have all the tools in the toolbox, it's almost like he, it's almost like instead of getting that 16 box crayon set, you know, instead you got the 64 box. Now you can go ahead, you get all the different colors that you want to play with at that point. You can get really more in depth and you can get really more, uh, you can really expand upon all of that. So I really do think that, you know, for him, he's got all the tools that he needs. And at this point, he can go above and beyond. He has a ton of versatile players. You mentioned Jeremiah Wusikorimoa. Troy Hill can play inside or out. Same thing with Greg Newsome. And he mentioned that earlier today as well. You know, I, I think that a lot of these players can play inside and out, and it gives him a lot of versatility and a lot of different looks that he can give, a lot of different disguises, and a lot of just different options that, quite frankly, not many teams – Cleveland or otherwise have had in the past. So uh, another topic of discussion is uh, who, you know, who's going to be a leader for uh, the Browns this year? And, and Miles Garrett was asked, is it, did, did he feel it was important, you know, now uh, that he's kind of the face of that defense, the cornerstone of the defense that they're building around, did he feel it was important uh, that he was a leader this year? I think so, but I've always thought, you know, Everybody's a chance to lead. You know, just, it just you have to find your moment. And so, you know, once you're older, you know, those moments come a little bit more than you know when you're a young guy. But you just have to, you know, pick the the time and place where you know those guys are. You know, they need a they need a little you no know, voice in their ear to, to keep them going or to go a little bit harder. Are you paying attention to you know what your new teammates are like and how to bring out the best in some of the key guys who are going to be with you? I feel like you know it's got matching intensity. You know when I come out here, I can I can be I can be laid back, but I know when you know, we need to go. I can, I can I can pick it up at any time. So I want them to to be able to match that. And so I only I only know the way I can do it, and I'm not going to do do it any other way. I'm not going to do something that's uh, foreign to me. And, and Mac again, Miles Garrett is kind of developing into that defensive player of the year type of uh, player and. Those guys are usually leaders. Yeah, and, and especially, too, you know, for Miles, originally coming in, you know, he was one of those quiet players, and now it really seems like he's finding his voice and finding his leadership style at this point. You know, and it's really great to see kind of just evolving. Like, we talked about the the evolution of the team, but, you know, again, you, you kind of lose track, especially, you know, this is now year four or year five now for Miles, excuse me. And, you know, he's starting to develop into that veteran presence that, you know, these younger players can rely on. And, you know, you have these young guys who are coming in. They, like he said, you need to have that voice and really be that somebody that they can rely on at that point. And especially too, you know, you want to see that out of your best players. You know, you have those guys who are good locker room guys, but, you know, again, if the top guys on your team are those guys that are giving you the most effort and are really at the forefront for this team, I think that, you know, that's huge. 
especially to see from a guy like Miles Garrett putting in that work and putting in, you know, the effort to, you know, make sure that everybody's, you know, getting along and making sure that everybody's up to speed at that point. You know, I really do think that, you know, this is a great sign for Miles going forward. You know, the, the interesting thing is everybody expects the Browns uh, to be a really good team. You know, the roster is kind of loaded. The Browns say they need to work. So it's kind of interesting um, to figure out just how good uh, some of the players think this team is relative to what, you know, they've played on before. That was kind of the scene posed to Jarvis Landry. Is this the most talented team you've been on? Yeah, this is, this is, this is. What's it like when you look over and see all those new, I know you're not going to face, face them in practice, but those new additions on defense and, mm-hmm. and the upgrades on that side of the ball? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, it looks amazing, you know, um, and we get the opportunity to compete against each other. You know, I think that that's, you know, when you bring in guys of the caliber of guys that we brought in, the competition level raises to another notch, and that's something that's definitely important when you're trying to go from good to great. Hey, a lot, a lot along, more those, here along those too. lines, we're talking to Greg Newsom here in a little bit. How much is that going to help him to go against you and Odell, Rashard, just go against all these guys you have? Yeah, I mean, listen, it, again, you know, when you got highly competitive guys in, in the building, the type of, you know, I watch these guys' highlight tapes and their, their draft tapes and stuff like that a little bit um, when they're coming out. So, like, you know, you know the mentality of those guys, and that increases the competitive nature in, in everyone on that's, that's on the field, you know. So I think that that's the, again, that's, a important, that's an important thing to have inside of a team. Mac, that's another thing that, you know, has been pretty consistent. Kevin Stefanski says competition is good. The players are starting to say competition is good. It makes sense. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's been the one thing that I feel like has kind of been lacking at least, you know, at least prior to bringing in Jarvis Landry, you know. Seeing Landry come in and, you know, he was one of those first players that was really that highly competitive type of player. And obviously you saw that in the hard knocks, uh, you know, speech that he gave too back then. But at the same time, you know, now you're seeing the rest of that roster being developed and you can see the rest of these players getting added in and they add in more and more and more until the point now where the whole roster really is thriving off of that competition and is really growing together at that point. So for me, I, I think that it really just breeds more and more uh, growth, at least from this team, and, and really seeing how this team has progressed from year to year to year. I, I am thrilled with where this team is at and the players that Andrew Barry has brought in. I mean, honestly, done a phenomenal job, not only bringing in talented players, but bringing in the right players, at least not only from an on-field standpoint, but also from a locker room standpoint, because you look at guys like Anthony Walker as well, and, and these guys, they're great leaders, but on top of that, they put in the work on top of that. So I, I look forward to seeing how these young players are able to grow and are able to play off of these veterans that they have brought in and have on this roster. Yeah, right now it seems like it all fits. Uh, Mac Robinson from 92.3 The Fan. As always, Mac, appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks very much. Of course, Dave. Always happy to hop on with you guys. All right, Mac Robinson, 92.3 The Fan. We're going to step aside, take a quick time out. We're going to continue talking Browns. Kevin Arnold will join us, and uh, we're going to hear from Joe Hayden about the Browns-Steelers rivalry. Sports for CLE. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Life is starting to get back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-Seek can help with full tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to trisc-edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students, kindergarten through 12th grade, can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine.
Training camp is underway for the Browns. We continue talking Browns football here on Sports for CLE. Uh, Joe Hayden is a guy who is uniquely qualified to talk about the Browns-Steelers rivalry. Played for the Browns, played for the Steelers. Here's what he had to say about that rivalry on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. It's so great to me because I think it's, it starts with the fans. Um, both the cities, man, have amazing fans. They love this. They love the team so much. I mean, the biggest thing is football, and Cleveland is football in Pittsburgh. Uh, Diehard fans. Uh, then it's the, the the team, man. You know, um, with, with Pittsburgh, it's just been a lot of it's been a lot of winning. So the fans really, really expect a lot. In Cleveland, you know, haven't really won as much, but the fans have never never wavered. They they're there for their city, and uh, I think they, their team's getting a whole lot better now. You know, just Consistency in the front office, but in Pittsburgh, it's just you got. They have only had three coaches last 50 years. You know your general manager, you know your position coaches, and things have just been a lot more turnaround. But it's just for me, the thing that makes the uh, makes the rivalry so big is they're so close. It's an hour and a half drive, and then the fan bases are basically the same type of fan bases. They love their city to death, and football is the biggest thing in Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Let's bring in Kevin Arnold from the Voice of the Land podcast. Kevin, uh, you hear uh, Joe Hayden, and Joe Hayden understands um, that rivalry. And, you know, I think there were 50 days where the Browns had three head coaches as opposed to the 50 years for the Steelers at, uh, at some time. But I, I, I just, in listening to Joe Hayden, I'm like, boy, this guy gets both cities. He does. And he was here for, for so long. And – knows that the fans how loyal Cleveland fans are I mean this in reality this shouldn't be a rivalry or it shouldn't be as well known of how deep this rivalry goes for even people like in my generation because all we've known is poor football in this town with the Cleveland Browns but it is the fans and it's our families who have brought us up and told us and shown us the history of this rivalry why we utterly dislike the Pittsburgh Steelers while, of course, you respect what they've been able to do as an organization, we want it to be that way, you still dislike the Pittsburgh Steelers. It starts there, both fan bases understanding the, the magnitude of the rivalry and the history of it, and, of course, getting their, uh, the next generations involved in it, and it just translates onto the field and vice versa. You just Now that both teams are competing for the AFC North, you really feel that energy back and forth between the field and the stands and back. And now that all the fans can be in these stadiums, you're really going to feel what this rivalry is supposed to be, hopefully, here in 2021. Yeah, and, you know, I'm old school enough that it's concerning that um, the Steelers appear to be down. You never quite count out um, the Pittsburgh Steelers because of that stability and the continuity of coaching, and uh, it's a really good franchise. All right. I don't want to say that too loud. So Jarvis Landry <laughs> spoke on the topic of going from good to great. So the Browns, they went from meh, okay, to pretty good last year. Now they're trying to go from pretty good to great. Uh, Landry spoke on how difficult that is, and, and is it more difficult than going from mediocre to good? I think it's all hard. You know, it's all hard. It's, all, it's always kind of hard to take those next steps, you know. And um, But I think we got the group of guys that's going to challenge each other, um, that have the worth ethic, that want to be great, you know, and, and want to go to another level. So I think that that's something that um, our team has. But it, it's, it's definitely hard. It's hard. Aside from getting to the regular season with everybody healthy and ready to go, what's what's probably the most important thing that you guys need to accomplish over these next six seven weeks here um yeah man just you know playing smart football you know practicing the right way um you know continue to work on the things that we're good at continue to evolve continue to develop you know and, and like like the first question like the second question just you know try to take the next step i think that that's what's what's in it for us Kevin, the thing I absolutely love is um, he said there's a bunch of people that want to go from good to great. That's usually the first step in getting there. The first step, you, you got to have the want and the will to go from good to great. Then you got to have the work ethic and actually show the work ethic. And that's, we're all going to hear from all these players throughout these next few weeks of training camp and even into the season, they're going to say all the right things. And they've, that's just kind of the culture that's been built. 
but now you have the confidence that they can back up what they're saying. In the past, we've been kind of given that player player speak, that coach speak, those those cliches that never translated on the field. They never actually showed that they believed what they were saying and what they were telling us in the media. This team, Coach Stefanski, the culture that they have established shows that they can go out and back it up. And they're going to look at one word in that building all over the place. And I know the players mentioned it today as well. The word is work. If you want to go from okay to good, you got to work. You want to go from good to great, you got to put the work in. If you want to go from great to legendary, you have to put the work in and be willing to make certain sacrifices as a unit to accomplish the the ultimate goal that every single team with 32 training camps opening up are all setting out for at the start of the 2021 NFL season. You know, it's kind of interesting. We can say that word Super Bowl in Cleveland and actually not blush or, or I mean, there's, you know, it could happen for the first time in quite a while. Yeah, it's, it's going to come down to what these players really, really want to do because Miles talked about it too. They're, they look great on paper, but it doesn't matter if you don't work in practice, work in training camp, and find a way to come together and actually be about it. You can't just talk about it. You got to be about it. This team will, and how far that takes them will be up to them and this coaching staff. So it, it's pretty obvious. The defense has kind of upgraded its speed and quickness. Miles Garrett was was asked about that. You know, the upgrade to the defense's speed and quickness. I mean, you don't want to you want to compromise uh, strength for a lighter, faster, quicker. You, know, you got to have a little bit of both, and I think we we do right now. I, I'm liking the additions we have. You know, I miss the guys that we we lost. You know, there's some, some great guys, some some great teammates. I'm I'm happy for them and the teams they've been uh, picked up with. But uh, I think the the guys that we have now are. You no know, great professionals. They have the, the talent that we need, and I think we can we can do well. You know, as long as they they stay in the books and and they keep on doing what they're doing. Kevin, it's kind of interesting that you know he took it there from a, a faster defense. Yeah, and this this defense had, looks so good and so uh, like so many guys that can make plays. And I know Mac talked about it too. What Joe Woods is going to want to do with some of that speed, but also leadership and work ethic type guys that are going to be out there on the field. In a pass happy league, you got to be you got to be fast and you got to be quick to the ball, and you got to have to make sure that the offense feels your presence out there. You can't can't just have the speed and run around the field and not hit anybody. You got to make sure that you have the speed, but you get physical when it's time to get physical and not allow offenses to set the tone of every single game that, that goes out there in this 17-game season. Kevin Arnold from the Voice of the Land podcast. And I'm going to step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, we will talk uh, again, Miles Garrett and possibly the favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. Also, Jarvis Landry's health. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. Sports for CLE continues. Browns training camp underway out in Berea. Miles Garrett was asked about being the favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year in some odds makers' books. Take a listen to what he had to say. We got a lot of guys who who, who can when they have the, the ability and the, the talent, and so I'll, I'll be competing them against them. But you know, most of them, I'm just trying to help my team win. And so whatever they, they ask me to do, they call for me to do. I'm going to do that and uh, make the plays that, 
I'm supposed to make. I'm not going to do anything out of the ordinary because, uh, you know, I, I can only do what, what, what comes to me. I can't make plays, you know, 30 yards downfield. I can, I can only do what, what's asked of me. And, Kevin, again, that's uh, that's the right mindset. You're hearing hearing all the right things, I think, from the Browns. Yeah, we just talked about it before the break, Dave. We're hearing all the right things. Miles Garrett, of course he wants to win Defensive Player of the Year. That's something that he's set out to do. And of course, last year he was looked like he was on track, and COVID got in the way, as it did with many other things, and it, nothing seemed normal last year. But Miles is trying to take that next step as a leader, and not just a leader by example on the field, a leader vocally for this team as well. And you and I have talked about that third and 14 play at nauseum against Kansas City and how there could have been that vocal leader. And maybe that was the piece that was missing after that Miles Garrett sack. Well, Miles Garrett is trying to not just have the physical presence on the field, but also the vocal presence for his teammates and put the work in. And if the team has success, people will recognize and the individual success will follow. All right, so um, another area of topic, um, Jarvis Landry kind of beat up all last year. Uh, he pointed out he was never really able to train in the offseason. He went right from rehabbing his injury into kind of training camp, so he, he never really got the opportunity to get his body kind of feeling the way he wanted to. A little different this year. T take a listen to Jarvis Landry. It was challenging. It, it was um... It, it was challenging and it was a lot of, of things going on in my head that I might have not showed on the field or, you know, in these environments. Um, but I had the right people around me, you know, uh, everybody in the training room was supportive. You know, they were, they were here to make sure that I was getting the right um, moderate, whether I was watching my tr practicing or making sure I was getting the things that I needed in the in the training room. But it still was tough because I knew I wasn't where I needed to be. But, you know, I wanted to be there for the guys. You know, it was important that I kind of kept not missing a game, you know, and... Um, Would you say was your toughest year? Yeah, for sure. I think the second half of the season, I began to feel better the further I got away from surgery. Um, I think that that helped me with the confidence standpoint of being able to really stick my foot in the ground, be able to change directions like I want to. Um, but definitely the first half of the season, it definitely played a, a major part in, 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 in me and going out there and playing. And the other part of that, Kevin, is he says he feels great, feels as good as he has. Um, lost a little weight because he did a lot of strength and speed training. So Jarvis Landry looks pretty good as well. He does look good. That's, that's important to have your number two wide receiver. But since this whole revamping of this culture him starting it or arguably starting it back in 2018 with his his leadership and what he was able to bring from that standpoint to this organization him being out there on the field last year more thinking about rehabbing injuries and trying to do as much as he could throughout the week and managing all of the pain and still being a part of the game plan and going out there for his team now he can just focus on being the Jarvis Landry that we knew we were getting from Miami and the, and the Jarvis Landry that we have seen. I know that in his eyes, he probably isn't necessarily ecstatic with how his season went last year, what it looked like stat wise and how he can, he knows he can help this team even more offensively, but him OBJ looking good. And that whole wide receiving core, the more guys that are healthy and ready and raring to go and are just focused on what playbook, elements they're going through and what they're adding to this offense this year man that just that makes them so much more dangerous and that's why so many fans are so excited of course we have to temper expectations as much as possible but you you have to be at least confident that this team is going to look even better this year than last year and and that is a huge piece to what the browns can accomplish this year Kevin Arnold from the Voice of the Land podcast. Kevin, as always, appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks very much. Of course, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on every single time. All right. Kevin Arnold from the Voice of the Land podcast. That'll do it for this edition of Sports for CLE. Before we go, Indians, a 7-2 winner. Fran Mil Reyes hit two home runs. Jose Ramirez, Cesar Hernandez also hit home runs. 
Zach Plesek went five innings to get the win. Scheduled guests tomorrow, the D-man, Dennis Maniloff and Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter for The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. We will see you again tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Have a great night, everybody.